Welcome to Delivering Joy. I'm your host, Deanne Luke, and with 10 years' experience working with businesses, I've seen the highs and the lows. In this series, join me as we go behind the brands and discover what it really takes to deliver joy to customers. Welcome to Episode 4 of Delivering Joy. For this episode, I wanted to introduce you to the divine Danielle Lewis. We quickly touch on this during our conversation about how our paths have crossed many times. She is a brilliant entrepreneur that loves a challenge and never afraid to explore where the business has taken her. Whilst during this series, I do focus a lot on product-based businesses and I love doing that because there is so much to learn, but I also have a background and love of service-based businesses as well. From my perspective, when it really comes down to it, the operational flow of these businesses, whether it be with clients or customers that we're working with, aren't too dissimilar. I feel that we can learn so much from both types and more often than not, their paths do cross over. So, for example, a predominantly service-based business, there can be many added elements, channels, pillars that resemble product offerings, which is why I enjoy interviewing so many types of businesses and their business models, particularly around their customer journey. The fundamentals of these businesses and the brand messaging, whether it be how they communicate, whether it be with their customer or their client, can be really crucial to the brand's longevity and ongoing development. I feel that it was really important to mention this because the basis of this conversation with Danielle is around that customer engagement and really understanding our customer to form some really key business decisions. So I'll take you back to today's episode and officially introduce Danielle. Danielle is the co-founder and CEO of Scrunch, a global membership platform for the creator economy and the founder of Spark, sales, courses, and coaching for founders. Danielle has a background in fashion design, blogging, and enterprise sales. 10 years ago, she started a local Brisbane-based blog while pursuing a career in enterprise sales for Australia's largest telecommunications company. It was through this blog that the world of digital influencers and their challenges would interest her so much that she threw in this rising career to pursue the world of technology startups. Over the last decade, Danielle has raised over $3 million in capital, built a global remote team, built and exited a direct-to-consumer brand, and will always share the real startup stories to help female founders shortcut their success in business, no matter what that looks like for them. Awarded EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2019, Danielle is building a life she loves around sales and marketing and showing other leading females that they can do the same. Outside of business, Danielle's heart belongs to travel, yoga, and champagne. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining me on the Delivering Joy podcast. Danielle and I have crossed paths many times, and we've always been in touch from a business sense and love our chats whenever possible. And this is one of those moments when Danielle accepted my invite. I'm like, yes, we get to catch up (laughs) and we get to have a really great business chat. So, the podcast is Delivering Joy, but As you would know, few of my episodes have been around product-based businesses and that's great and there's so many people out there that really relate to the product-based. But you have a service-based business and I really thought this was ideal that to bring you in, have a really great chat around the business and the background of the business and we'll go into so many different paths, but welcome and yeah, I'd love you to introduce yourself in your words to our listeners. 
Amazing. Well, thank you firstly so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love any opportunity to chat with you. But yeah, I am Danielle. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch. And Scrunch is what we call the destination for the creator economy. But there are new words this year. So essentially what we do is we are an influencer marketing agency. So we help many, many brands across the entire planet to deliver their influencer marketing campaigns. But we also also have a membership platform as well called Scrunch365 and basically that is a dollar a day membership and we actually deliver a video insight tip action for anyone in the creator economy. So marketers, agencies, creators, we're all about how we help them grow amazing brands. That's awesome. And how long have you had Scrunch for? now because it's evolved over the years from you know from its early days to what it is today yeah 10 very amazing challenging long (laughs) incredible years (laughs) but I think that's the beauty of of the industry you're in because even 20 years ago this realm didn't exist 10 years ago it was very in its infancy we're seeing such a different phase now and into the future So take us back to the start and why? Why Scrunch? And why did you decide that this was a great business idea (laughs) 10 years ago? Well, it's a great question because it actually wasn't very intentional. I would like to be like sitting here going, I am so smart and I'm so strategic, but it was kind of a bit of a happy accident. So that's what, that's the beauty of, of something, isn't it? Yeah. So it's the best businesses are built on accident sometimes. Yeah. So over a decade ago, I actually had a fashion blog, if you can believe it. And I was writing this blog and I became obsessed with online businesses. I read Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek and just became absolutely obsessed with running some kind of online business. And it was a happy accident that I walked into a fashion retail boutique in South Bank in Brisbane, trying to sell advertising on my blog. <laughs> and I met the co-founder of Scrunch, so a guy named Sal. And we decided that we were going to take over the world from a technology point of view, both having zero technical experience experience. And it kind of started a journey into online businesses, tech startups. And you know what? We were not an influencer marketing platform on day one. We were making it up as we went along. So we tried all of these different things. We thought we were so smart. We thought we had all these brilliant ideas. We created a fashion inventory platform, a fashion social network, a media monitoring tool, all these things until finally... It was like the stars aligned. So I had my background in blogging. We had this tech team who had this background in music aggregation. And then the world kind of changed and the first bloggers and social media influencers started making real money online. And we kind of looked at the whole market and went, wow, we've really got an opportunity here. Influencers or bloggers, as they were back then, something is really going to happen here. So we started putting all of our attention into how we could service that industry. And while we were building the tech, we sort of had this idea, why don't we actually start delivering everything we're going to promise to people through a technology solution manually through an agency. So that is why we've always had Mm -hmm. two sides to the business, mostly because I was impatient and didn't want to wait for someone to build a software tool. (laughs) But yes, that's kind of what 
sort of started the magic. And then it has literally been a decade of talking to customers, finding out what they love, iterating our processes, building better software, bringing more experience into the team. It's just a never ending journey, but it has been amazing. Yeah. And the way it is today is obviously so different to yes. how it was back then. How did you, I guess, fund the business t- to go on the journey? Because it has gone on a massive journey in very different shapes and forms. And how do you fund that? And how do you constantly evolve to also be relevant to the customer, mm. but keep new customers coming on board because what you were 10 years ago, you would probably not be attracting the same customer today. But then at the same time, you still need to make money, I guess, you know, as in any business, you still need to be profitable and be on that growth trajectory. How has that translated over the years as well? Yeah, and you're spot on, especially so our business, you know, while I talk about influencers and creators, essentially we're in the, in the social media space, right? And we, any business can look at, you know, the history of social media and go every couple of years, a new social tool crops up, right? So it's not just consumers adapting, it's the entire market changing all of the time. So we've also had to keep up with that to stay relevant as well. So in the very early days, we did, you know, what you expect every good business owner to do. So we put all of our savings in. I was going to buy a house. I put my (laughs) closet for my house into the business. Oops. And how's that house going? (laughs) So now I'll scratch my house. (laughs) my baby scratches all of my things. (laughs) So did that initially, took out loans for the business. We then actually went out and raised capital. So so in the early days of Scrunch, whilst we have a very heavy agency arm now, it was all about technology and software and automating the influencer marketing process. So we actually went out and raised capital. So we went to angel investors, high net worth individuals, VCs, and basically pitched the idea of giving us some money and we would build this beautiful, scalable, profitable, exitable business. And we ended up raising over three million in capital for Scrunch back in the day over a period. Which is awesome for your first round. But yeah, but that's the way so because we essentially chose to spend a lot of money on software development before we were making a lot of money. So that was the right path for us at the time. not a path we've continued down so now that that's all all the technology is there and we're you know have a bit more brand establishment and all those kind of things we have and we have a lot of customers now so now when we're going to do something innovative or big it's all from profit which is is a nice bit of And and it's also, yeah, like you were saying before, it's talking to your customer and actually now building something that the customer wants as well and features that the feedback has been. Because I think that many years ago, you were looking for money to build a business on an idea, essentially, you know, and, you know, the technology that you thought, (laughs) is this going to work? Where now it's probably 10 years in, you've sort of flipped it a little bit to be a little bit more responsive and ahead of the game, you know, then trying to think what do they want as opposed to this is what they need. 
Exactly. And you are spot on. Talking to your customers is the best way to do that, right? So look, I'll be the first to admit a decade ago when I had never run a business before, I did not talk to my customers. I just thought I had great ideas as our whole team did. And it was through mistakes. It was through spending money on things and building things that people didn't want to buy (laughs) that we learned that the best way to do business is to talk to people. And even if they're not your customers yet, you can still go out and interview people, talk to people, you know, buy them a coffee, buy them a wine, whatever, set up a Zoom and actually ask them questions about what their challenges are, what they currently use to solve those problems. You can get all of that information before you start now. And in the world that we live in, pre-selling things is really huge. So I'm literally now, I will not build anything or spend any money on anything unless I've tried to sell it first. And we've actually proven that someone will pay for it. So yeah, talking to your customers is absolutely everything. I really liked what you said about pre-selling. So take us through a little bit about that, because I think in the fashion space that you've been in, you know, we're familiar with that. I'm seeing a lot of, from an e-commerce perspective, seeing a lot of pre-ordering through sites, you know, probably a few years ago, it wasn't that popular. Who's going to order something that they're not going to get for a few weeks or a few months. But from a service-based business, it's a really interesting concept that has probably been around I would say a lot longer because, you know, you can sort of put in feature requests and things like that. Take us through that process because that's such an interesting part to your business and obviously the future of the business as well. Yeah, and you're spot on. There's so many different ways that you can tackle this now. So from an online product or a services-based industry, heaps of ways to go about it. So you might actually pre-sell a course online. So we've done that with Scrunch. We have an influencer marketing course, which basically teaches people how to do it themselves. And we actually ran it live. So what we said was we're going to pre-sell tickets to a live event and we sold, say, 100 slots to that and we actually delivered the course live and that gave us the opportunity to record it and now we sell that over and over again. So it's just such a good way of kind of understanding what the appetite is before you actually build it, right? Because as we know, you know, you can just spend so much time building, perfecting, creating. You know, it's not until you get that customer feedback that you actually know what's landing, what's resonating with people and what's actually going to make a difference in their life to make them actually bother spending their money. And the best part about it as well is talking to customers early and pre-selling and having those sales conversations actually helps you build all of your sales collateral. So if you're trying to sell your product that doesn't exist yet, you can actually have that conversation where people are asking questions, they're pushing back. You can go, oh, okay, these are the concerns people have. They're all of the things that will go on my sales page when I'm pre-selling or actually in the launch period. So it's such a great idea for service-based businesses as well. You know, so many people have online masterminds people have like waiting lists for their actual services whether it's copywriting or web design or whatever like you know I think we're so lucky now we live in this era where you can just throw up a web page throw up social media in a day and put things out there so I think you you know as a business owner whether you haven't started or you're you know years and years in trying to pre-sell first before you put your next thing out there is a really good idea. It's a great idea, you know, because you do then understand what your customer is really looking for. Mm. From a customer perspective, you have a number of different customers that you appeal to. 
Take us through the difference in a customer profiles because you're not just a one-stop shop for one particular type. Maybe five, seven years ago, you may have been more directional, you know, in that space, mm-hmm. but you do because you have so many different arms to the business. Talk us through those customers that you appeal to, but also how those different pillars are different across the business because that's, you know, some people will think, I'm only for that customer and that's only and that is a great way to be but as the business has grown you're able to identify the different customers that you will or clients that you attract to the business. Yeah and it's interesting because it's equally challenging having multiple customers because the language that you use on your website or your social media you know when you just serve one customer it's fantastic because you can be super yeah. targeted. And you can nail it as well. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> It's really tough when you have multiple customers because you are trying to appeal to the right person at the right time. But then that's part of the scalability of a brand too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So we appeal to, on the agency side, we run influencer campaigns for brands and for other agencies. So you might have a creative agency or a digital agency that doesn't do influencer campaigns. They will outsource them to us and then direct to brand. And when it's direct to brand, we have multiple profiles within that because we're either working with a brand who's big enough to have their own marketing manager or we're working with a small business who it's probably the business owner that we're actually dealing with directly. So that's kind of your, yeah, on the agency side, we're dealing with small business owners, marketing people and agency types and then on the and then three very different customers there too oh my god three different ways that you can deal with them yeah and three different like budget levels different challenges you know you think about a small business owner they're trying to run their business right so they don't want to deal with the marketing so that outsourcing message makes a lot of sense you know, the marketing manager, they probably should be more across things. So it's a little bit different, you know, that we're, we're trying to sell to them the fact that they'll get better performance or better results or, you know, save time and cost efficiency, all that kind of stuff, which the business owner probably doesn't care about. They yes. just want to get it off their plate. So yes, having the right message at the right time is really <laughs> tricky. Yeah. And then we've got layered onto that. So we serve the same customers in our membership. But we also cater for the actual influencers and creators themselves. So, and that is a very different message when you're talking to a creator. And we're actually trying to take them on a bit of a journey as well. So this is kind of a big challenge for us at the moment is we're trying to evolve in the space. And historically, people just think influencer marketing, sponsored posts, that's the world we live in. And to an extent, that's true. But for creators and influencers now, they're actually small business owners in their own right. So they have a whole bunch of challenges, just like every other business. So we're trying to move away from just this sponsored post facilitating to actually helping them grow profitable businesses as well. So yes, the messaging is all over the shop, trying to appeal to everyone. It's it's insane. But but then some very clear business models from that as well. Yeah. So, you know, internally, um, Mm. do you have different people that look after the different clients and different parts of the business or how's your sort of internal, I guess, workforce (laughs) established to really deliver those key areas of the business? Yeah, and it's been a really interesting journey because when we first started, we looked at the software side of the business, which is now the membership side of the business, and we kind of thought that's almost like another agency client. We'll treat it like a client. But unfortunately, when we did that, it always got 
pushed to the bottom of the barrel, right? Because all of the yeah. other agency clients always so go. more important, well, you know, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we actually did have to separate it. So we have a team that just services campaigns, so that agency side of the business. And then the way we run things on sort of the software side, membership side of the business is really like a marketing function. So we have editors. It's a lot of content, a lot of ads, those types of yep. things. So it's almost like marketing function versus delivery function. And then we've got, you know, everyone else like tech people, customer service people. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I really did want to touch on is that the last couple of years have really changed for you and for the business because you've gone from being in Brisbane with a team internally under one roof to now a very dynamic external team with you in WA. So how has the last couple of years really changed the way that the business operates and how do you feel about that as well, you know, because it's it's such a shift and it did happen. Whilst it didn't happen probably in your mind so quickly, it did happen quite quickly to completely flip it on its head and try something completely different, so to speak. Yeah, and it, and it was really challenging. So we, interestingly, we signed a lease for a giant event space right before end of 2019, just before COVID hit. We ran perfect timing. Yeah. We ran this massive, amazing event. I think it was like February, 2020. And then basically got locked out of the building. It was just the most insane, but obviously they had to keep paying rent. Like it was just an insane period. And look, we, it was really a period where we had to actually reprioritize. You know, we thought, so events were the most popular acquisition tool for us. Everyone loved coming to our events. That's where we got our most opportunities. And we just really had to rethink the way we did everything, you know, and like everybody, obviously, but we run a lot of stuff virtually now. We launched a podcast last year to reach even more people. And you're right. So we made the decision to go completely virtual. And it was interesting. We had some experience in virtual because in the early days of Scrunch, all of our developers were outsourced. So we always had you know, plenty of team meetings where people were dialing in. So yep. we kind of knew the dynamic, but it was a real challenge for some of the agency team. So you know, a lot of marketing people like me just like to talk your ear off all yep. day. So being 100% remote is really tricky for some people. And absolutely, we lost staff in that process because they were like, no, I want to be in an office. Yeah, yeah um, which is fair because creatives like to be around creatives and that's just, you know, yeah. everyone is built for to work remotely. And it's been interesting. So as we made that business decision change, sort of the team changed and, you know, the products that we offered changed. So it was a bit of a snowball effect, you know, it was kind of one thing after the other. And I'm kind of happy that that's how it played out too, because I don't think you can see the entire future. Like you can't really plan for all of the challenges and things that are going to crop up. So it was kind of a process of making a decision and then dealing with one thing after the other that sort of came up. But look, I'm not going to lie, it's been really tricky for me personally. So I live in a completely new city. It is a remote location. So I don't have my little wine bar down the street to go to my daily therapy out anymore. (laughs) And I have learned, had to try and learn to be a better leader virtually as well, which is tough. I am not a natural, I don't consider myself a natural leader or manager. I have really had to learn those skills and really have to be 
conscious about checking in with everybody, making sure I'm also the world's worst admin person ever, which you can't afford to be when everything's remote, right? You need to be really good on your project management tools. Everyone has to have access to everything. So I've really had to step it up myself as a leader to be able to lead remotely. So that's definitely been a challenge both professionally and then personally on the, you know, I'm the creative, I'm the sales and marketing person that likes to talk to people all day, every day. So it's definitely been a challenge, but I actually love it, right? Because I'm super passionate about business. I love to, I want to empower people to understand that it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can actually, we ne- it's never been a better time to actually be a business owner, whether that's something on the side or you want to build an empire. We have all of the tools at our disposal. And I love that I have the opportunity to kind of live it and breathe it and grow yeah. something that I'm excited about that's super successful from the middle of nowhere. Yeah, which is great. And look, on that, what tips do you have for any listeners that do operate remotely? Because there's some people out there that are starting to build their own, you know, service or, or product-based brand, so they have no one around. But then there's others that, you know, do travel a lot and have external teams. What sort of tips would you give, you know, even if it's just a couple, to help people through that journey? Yeah. So one thing I've learned is that the two podcasts that I run have saved me. So I obviously I have one for Scrunch, which is Creator Economy. So I interview brands and influencers or creators. And then I have one for Spark, which is another course-based business that I run. And I interview female founders. And I realized that the most energy I get is when I'm talking to people. You know, I interviewed you on Spark, obviously. I was like, I walk away from these conversations just feeling so inspired in my own business so one and it comes up time and time again in these interviews is that you need to find a support network and so that is my number one when you're starting a business remotely is to just find a group that you can join find you know somebody else in business hassle them on instagram whatever it is find a couple of people that you can actually talk to every week. Start a podcast. That's a great idea. Then you just have to talk to people, right? Because you have to interview them. So that support network has been one of the biggest things is because it would be very easy for me just to get locked in my home office and, you know, work, 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 never talk to anybody and get very isolated very quickly. So making sure that there's a conscious support network Mm -hmm. is really important I think when you're working remotely and then to also figure out what lights you up outside of business look I am one of those hustle people and I know we live in a time where it's you know we like self-care and kindness and all of those things but I err towards the side of work my ass off so I have had to be really really conscious about time away from the business and find the things in your area or little holidays that you can go on to make sure that you are actually stepping away from from the business because I feel like you need that space to actually have inspiration for your business. Like my best ideas come when I'm sitting by the pool reading a book. So, you know, but sometimes I feel guilty for doing that because I'm like, I'm not working. Oh my God. (laughs) So I feel like, yeah, those two things, a really solid support network and time away from the business. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's really great to hear some of your, your tips and tricks because you know, just to share some insight into how people, 
you know, function and what inspires them and what motivates them to keep going because your business is everything, you know, but there's also you to drive it. And if, you know, you need to feel inspired at the same time. And it's super hard when you don't, when you're not around people all the time. Like you said, you just can't pop down to the local coffee shop or wine bar and catch up with someone and, you know, it makes it a little bit more trickier. COVID really changed your business that mm-hmm. you never, and I hate using the word COVID, but it's going to be around forever so we can just use it. But, <laughs> and I think it was such a shifter in business, whether yes. it be a positive or negative. And we never saw that coming, as you said, signing a lease right before COVID and, and events being part of your business model. Mm. We couldn't forecast at that point how our businesses were going to evolve. Yeah. How did you alter or tweak your business to move through that time? Because we were never going to know in three months or three weeks for that matter if brands were going to engage in influencer marketing or social media for that matter things did change quite quickly and then six months is different again so how did you sort of try to react quickly and dynamically (laughs) to keep the business afloat because ultimately it was a sink or swim situation I guess Totally. So we adopted a philosophy of no idea is too crazy. (laughs) So what we did from a business point of view was we created new ideas and new products. So you're absolutely right. At the start of COVID, we used to manage retail and food brands and food started to like sell out, right? People were panic buying. So a few of the brands that we worked with had to stop their campaigns because they were actually running out of food. They couldn't be seen to be advertising because they had no food on the shelves. So it was really, really tricky, but we saw other opportunities. So we went out and we ran a campaign that actually supported hospitality venues and had that sponsored by big brands, which was, you know, a very different model for us. We actually launched a hand sanitizer brand. So yep. we actually developed our own in-house brand, which was which is so crazy because we thought about, you know, so up till that point, we'd been in business for like seven years. You know, everything seems to take a long time the first time you do it. This time when we launched a brand, like we had the designer, we had the contacts, we knew how to build a website. We knew how to, it was like it all came together in days. It was just crazy. So we did that. We obviously stripped costs. So, you know, our biggest priority through COVID was we didn't want to have to lay anybody off. So we just went, how can we go into revenue saving mode and drop every other cost that we can? So that was our big priority. And then some really interesting things happened, right? Like with the shift, traditional brands we had worked with stopped advertising, but it was actually like you know, all these other brands that had never done it before, like, you know, loungewear, activewear brands, like homeware, like homewares took off, anything for home office took off. So there were all these other brands that hadn't really dabbled in influencer marketing before. And now everyone's at home scrolling through Instagram. So people wanted to start advertising. So we actually helped customer type changed quite a lot and the other big thing that happened for us as well was in our industry and marketing and agency land we really had to be face to face i was on a plane once to twice a week like every week in 2018 2019 going down to melbourne going down to sydney being face to face with all these people and of course that couldn't happen anymore right Mm -hmm. so everyone switched to zoom and i was like a, how good is this? Because I, don't <laughs> I, do, I can still be in my pajamas and still oh. run a complete meeting from a lounge room. Yeah. 
Totally. But it really showed us that we had all this wastage in business, right? Like we were spending so much money on business development to be in the right places. And we didn't have to do that anymore because, you know, we already had this proof under our belt that we could run amazing campaigns. And, you know, we could pitch that over a Zoom call. People could get the results. So people started realizing that you don't actually need to be face to face to make things happen. Look, face-to-face is fantastic. I love it. There's nothing like it. And I think we did miss it through that time. But we, yeah, like you said, we learned that it didn't have to be the be-all and end-all. We could still get around that. Mm. But I think people do yearn for that now. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But I love it because it, it kind of just changed our perspectives. I think when we were, we thought we had to operate in a certain way yeah. and it kind of was a little bit of a kick up the bum to say, you can actually do things differently. Yeah. And you can do a lot of, you can have a breadth of ways that we, you know, work with others as well as interact with others. It's, you know, FaceTime, I barely used. And then we sort of started to use it, you know, yeah. and then my son gets on the, it's interesting. My son FaceTimes most of his friends. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's just interesting how, you know, and that's different, completely different generation, but that's what they've been familiar with for some reason. Yeah. So, and we have the technology at our fingertips. Like it's it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, you know, those couple of years really shaped the way that the business is today and, and it really did probably set you up, I guess, for mm-hmm. having a complete remote and virtual business what some of the I guess that was you know really a challenging time but really from that what's the positives that you've taken away and some of the wins that you've really had you know in the last little bit that has embedded into the way that you run your business but also you know you can be proud of yeah, and I think that that's such a good question because it is very easy to dwell on the challenging times. Yeah. And, you know, when we do achieve, we kind of just move to the next thing and move to the next thing. So there have been so many positives. For me personally and for me as a business owner, the biggest thing for me has been I can do it my way. So I, when I started my business, especially being in the tech industry, you were kind of compelled to raise a lot of capital, you know, be bigger than your britches, be in the headlines, not run a profitable business. That wasn't actually what was celebrated. And coming from corporate for a decade before that, there was a certain way that I thought I had to show up as a leader. And I guess the kind of line in the sand and then the complete upheaval and going to remote has shown me that I can actually run this the way I want to run it, (laughs) which is really lovely. So for me personally, that's been the biggest win is it's actually given me some really renewed excitement and enthusiasm for the business because I can actually run it the way I want to run it, which is fantastic. We have run some incredible campaigns over the years and I was actually, so it's obviously start of the year, starting to do like sales outreach. And I had a look at our list of past clients, just do a little campaign yep. to. And I was like, man, we've worked with some incredible brands. <laughs> like, you know, I think you, you do, you move on to the next sales target and you forget to celebrate. And you're like, holy crap, we've worked with yep. literally global, incredible brands. So just the type of work we get to do is incredible. And then I'm just so excited about the new Scrunch 365 that we launched at the start of this year. That was you know, recording 365 videos to roll out yep. a video a day for the next year is very uh, tough and very exhausting. So, you know, super proud that we have the team that can put in that level of work to create something that is 
you know, really innovative and, and brand new in this space so that we can, yeah, continue to keep up with influencers, creators and, and this industry. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. We do not always look back at our history and the the previous wins because you forget you you do move on and you know you're constantly evolving, mm-hmm. and then you actually need to sometimes to go back and reflect and take the positives and negatives you know out of out of every experience because that's how it shapes the business moving forward. So where to with Scrunch next? So you mentioned your platform, but what's this year hold for you? Yeah, so this year is really about repositioning for us. So the industry itself has moved away from this idea of influencers and is transitioning to creators and the creator economy. And we, you know, from day one, we've always wanted to be industry leaders. But unfortunately, sometimes that means that, you know, you kind of have to take a leap of faith a little bit before everybody else. So that is what we are doing at the moment. We're repositioning, which means we've had to change our website, all of the language language we use, all of our social posts, re-record every workshop we've ever got as a lead magnet. Like it's actually been this massive body of work that is ongoing to completely reposition what we do and what we stand for in the industry. So that is kind of the biggest body of work. And then the probably the thing I'm most excited about is we're releasing a book for so exciting. I love books, right? I don't know why. You know, we're in this digital age where there's nothing like a physical book. No, it's nice. And I think it's a book's comforting. And it's like we love, as business owners, we love notebooks. I've got thousands of notebooks and you write different things. And I think when you read a great book too, you again make notes and write and you're, I don't know, it's such a different approach to having it on your screen. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, you know, and as you can imagine, writing a book is, it's an exercise in, you know, patience and discipline. So yeah, I'll be so excited when that comes out later this year. So yeah, it's super exciting. exciting. 2023 is going to be amazing. (laughs) You can feel it. So part of this podcast is around delivering joy. And I wanted to sort of get what you perceive to your customer and even internally is how do you deliver joy to them both Mm. from a team perspective as well as being a leader within your team yeah absolutely so I think externally for me so from a customer point of view it's really around you know and this is a, a lesson that I've had to learn over the years but really around communication and expectation setting sounds so boring but if people know where they stand and what to expect then they're usually happy yeah. so that's baseline and then our job is to over deliver so how can we create something exciting for them whether it's as you know boring as over delivering on KPIs yeah. or it's actually surprising and delighting them with a little gift or something that they're they're not expecting or a shout out on social media or a podcast episode about their company whatever it might be internally for me it's getting out of people's way (laughs) so it's really empowering them to do their job so that they feel successful right I'm sure we've all had jobs where we don't feel like we're set up for success and it's a fine line too isn't it from where do you manage to where do you stop managing and let someone really deliver 
Yeah, totally. And like yeah. help people step up and, and reach their own potential, you know, rather than assuming people are only here, like let them step up to, you know, the next stage. And then again, for me, it's all about, you know, moments. So it's all about, you know, unexpectedly texting them with a little video saying, have a great day or remembering their birthday and sending them a little gift or remembering a work anniversary and sending a bunch of flowers. Yeah. You know, when you are remote, it does. I do. So, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and video messages yeah. are my, my It's so life. much more crucial and I think you have to think about that mm. so much more being virtual and remote mm. as opposed to, oh, it's right, they'll be in the office tomorrow and I'll I can see them then. And, yeah. and it's easy. You do, yeah. you do. You have to be really planned. Yeah, which I guess does deliver joy to your employees because it's the unexpected and it's to make them feel part of the team, regardless that the fact that you are how many miles away. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, who doesn't like receiving a little present in the mail when the mailman knocks on your door and it's actually something fun, not a bill? People <laughs> yeah. love that. I love that. So yeah. many more things <laughs> Which is perfect. Cool. Well, this is, I wanted to thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was such a great chat with you because I do think that this will be such a fabulous year for everyone. I think we've gone through lots of ups and downs and in you know so much has really jam-packed into the last couple of years whilst we like to admit it or not the last few years has been such a learning curve for so many different businesses and also personally you know I think we've learnt to really just embrace change and embrace something to what's tomorrow may not happen according to that plan and and how do we flip it and how do we move our businesses forward in these times but you've done such a fabulous job with scrunch but where can we find you so if anyone wants to chat to you engage listen to you where <laughs> where can we dial in to you yeah yeah, absolutely. So if you are after anything influencer creator related, scrunch.com is the place to go. And that links out to our Instagram or YouTube channel so you can consume all of the content. And if you'd like to connect with me personally, always happy to have a virtual chat. <laughs> My website's daniellelewis.io and that links out to yeah contact details, social media, all that good stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and I'm sure the listeners have taken some fabulous takeaways from our discussion. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Delivering Joy. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it around or leave a review. This helps others find the podcast. Join me next time as we go behind the brands and discover what it really takes to deliver joy to customers. 